0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us at 10 Talks. We're back with Rachel Swan. And we're just kind of doing a part two of this conversation on
1: reciprocity because it felt so, so needed. And so what do you think? Well, I think it ties in really well with our previous conversation about feeling this weight and demand that is put on us to do the work of
0: everyone. To not just do the women's work of caring and raising children and the emotional labor of taking on traditions and doing the raising of the children and the cooking of the meals and the domestic labor, but having a job on top of that and then carrying out family traditions and doing all of that on top of trying to show up in capitalism and find Value with skill sets that are valued by the community.
1: Yeah. I had talked previously about this idea of really struggling, number one, to ask for help or to even expect help of any kind, to trust that people will show up for me or that I can ask for things and have it be given to me, even after all I can do. You know, we always hear like, in Mormonism, it was like you'll never be asked to run faster than you can, or what is it? God would never ask you to like do more than you can. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm really something bad at about Mormonism like challenging, <laughs> give, give you give you more hardships than what you could handle. handle. Something which like that. which is bullshit. That's, yeah. that's bullshit. There are lots of things that. When people say, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've overcome this. It's like, well, you didn't really have a choice, you know? Anyway, (laughs) there was just, you you just had had to to wake up the next day and then eventually it was over. But I definitely, like, it took a huge toll on my mental health and physical health and, you know, everyone around me. Anyway, and also how I was raised Mormon and also from like an immigrant family, this idea of like self reliance, which we hear about, like, you know, whether All that's like time. food storage or, you know, making sure that like you can do your calling and care for your family and that you always have to be, you know, like pulling yourself up by your boots and saving enough money so that you could live off of it. If you didn't have a job for like having a, s- for six a whole year, or a year. <laughs> yeah, that you could be like mortgage for a whole year and care for your six children and pay off your, the world's completely drastically different. Now. And I think we're seeing that those old wisdoms or what were perceived as wisdoms, like, didn't really benefit. Like, they don't work now. That template doesn't work now, but it also didn't work for the majority of people throughout history. Like, yes, there's wisdom in saving money and in preparing for the future. But right now, like, when I have this conversation with my children or I start to think about my future, it's like, what future will there be? And I don't mean that to be depressing or to be, you know, pessimistic, but But the world is burning. Yeah. <laughs> the water <laughs> is are drying on fire. up. We're we've had we're like, breathing chemicals. Yeah. Highest temperatures. So preparing for the future has to mean something different than it did then. And so we're watching these roles shift and change. And we're watching people ask for things or demand things that we never dreamt of doing. In the past, and it's because that toll is so heavy. Like, we've been pushing these things that are so deeply needed onto other people. And you can see that in a global sense when it comes to climate change, where the places that are the most affected tend to be like very poor areas. And we see that in everyday lives, where like Jackson, Mississippi hasn't had drinkable water in a really long time, and no one cares because and it's happened, 80% yeah. black. And that happened in Flint, Michigan for... It's still happening yeah. in Flint, Michigan. So and we can see that in like very specific individual ways, the ways that we push off this difficult work that we don't want to do and force other people to do it. And sometimes it tends to be the women in our lives who do that work for us, or the people who are more sensitive or more in tune with themselves and their bodies and the people around them, because somebody has to process what's happening. Someone has to do that work that other people are refusing to do.
0: And Rachel, what it looks like in body work is women have the highest rate of autoimmune. Women have the highest rate of chronic illness It's showing up in bodies. It's not by accident that all the migraines are happening to the women.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or autoimmune disorders that their bodies literally are shutting down because Mm -hmm. or rejecting their own bodies Mm -hmm. because no one else is dealing with this. And it's too much for half of the population to deal with on their own. And I also think we're seeing this limit. So we're asking we are demanding more from the people in our lives. We saw this during the pandemic when people were homeschooling and working from home. Women were leaving the workforce in droves while men continued to work because… Somebody had to take care of the children at home. Yeah, someone had to fill in those gaps that public school, literally, that was the only thing. We were using it as free childcare. And that one resource that women relied on in order to support their families was suddenly gone. And I love that more women are speaking up about it and saying Mm -hmm. like, I have been carrying this for so long and I can't anymore. And I've experienced this as a single mom really struggling with this idea of receiving and from coming from a family that just willed things into being or like if you're not prepared, then that's on you. Or if things go wrong, you should have prepared more. Like why didn't you have more money in savings? Why haven't you anticipated things going wrong? And so it was so difficult for me to ask. But I will say the times when I have asked, I have received. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about what it looks like. Because
0: it is your word of the year. It's what you've been working on in therapy. It's what I've been trying to work on for like my whole fucking life. And I'm still somehow not getting it right.
1: (laughs) I have not been (laughs) working on this my whole life. This is like a one, (laughs) this is like a, what month are we at? This is my nine and a half month mark of Mm -hmm. trying to be like my whole body tenses up when I talk about the word receive. It feels so much easier just to either be like an empty vessel that someone can just like pour all their problems into and I can just say like loving and supportive things to them. It's so bad for me, but it, it, it feels like home to mm-hmm. me sometimes it feels yeah, like that's my codependent piece
0: like yeah give me everything and i'll fix it or i'll hear it or i'll do all the
1: work for it yeah and i'll shut what i need completely down so that there's enough space for you i won't have any needs and anyway so i would say when i knew something was really wrong with me is when my washing machine broke and i had to ask my parents for help and it terrified me to no end. Like I was so terrified to make the call. The second my dad answered the phone, I broke down. My parents are kind, generous people. There's, uh, there was no reason for me to be. They came terrified. over immediately. Yeah. They came <laughs> over immediately and I wasn't in trouble and I didn't do anything wrong. And it wasn't my fault. And I didn't have to figure it out on my own. I literally was no help. Like they showed up. I sat on the floor outside of my laundry room and I just cried. And I like ate yogurt and watched them fix it. And it was a really nightmare fix. Like so uncomfortable. My mom's like holding her flashlight on her phone up. My dad is quietly talking to her as they're figuring it out. It was hours and hours and hours of work and a really uncomfortable position. But like I had reached this point that I couldn't do one more thing. Like Mm -hmm. one more thing couldn't go wrong. And I feel like... Everyone is living, especially the women that I know, one more fucking thing can't go wrong or everything falls apart. Mm -hmm. And that is the most exhausting and terrifying and traumatic place to live your life. There can't be one inconvenience. There can't be like, your kid can't throw one more fit or you're going to lose it. Like, it is not a safe or healthy place. And I feel like everyone is operating (laughs) from that place right now. And we're so scared to ask for help, whether it's like our internal programming, whether we deeply cannot believe that the universe or the people in our lives will provide for us. There's so many reasons. But my parents, like doing that one thing for me It changed something in my body that made it okay for me to say, I've been remembering to like take my garbage can out to the curb. I have paid my taxes. I figured out how to do, you know, I took my car for maintenance. Pumping up your own air and your tires. Pumping up. (laughs) I had to learn that after my ex-husband moved out. But all of these things that allowed me to do the other work of doing emotional labor For my family of creating traditions of being in tune with my children of creating warmth and care and giving attention to detail and showing up for the people in my life. Because my former spouse did some of those other like executive functioning aspects. It gave me the room and space to really flourish in that way that deeply benefits children, it benefits my friends, it benefits my siblings, my parents, to be able to have the capacity to hold space for them, to see them, to celebrate them, to bring joy and ease and comfort into their lives. And without those other pieces, I don't have that same capacity. It makes me scared and it makes me feel small and like, It feels so scarce what I have to give, which used to feel so abundant, now feels really scarce because I'm worrying about how I will pay my mortgage. I'm worrying about how, you know, like, am I doing all of these things right? Is there anybody who can meet me halfway? As a single woman,
0: I've always related to men and the stress of making an income But what I realized is that I related to women more and healers more because it's much harder to manage relationships and emotional wellness and listen to people and be kind to people. That's so much harder to show up like that than it is to go out and work for a few hours. And that's the truth of it. And the invitation that I have for people is to slow down, even just 1%, and look around a room and look at people's faces and not look at your phone. Because witnessing what's going on is part of it. You said in the previous episode, you said like women and mothers are not doing okay. And the reason why we're not doing okay is because we don't have those buffers anymore of things like we're being asked to do so much, like we take the whiplash. So we quit our jobs when the kids need help. And now when money's tight again, we're going out and we're trying to find and make abundance out of nothing. We're trying to make a meal out of pantry items. We're trying to make a feast out of nothing, no ingredients, and somehow we
1: do it. I think what's important to say here is that women are doing it even though we're exhausted, even though sometimes we don't even know how, even though we've reached our limit. Women have always done this. We can take scraps. We can take whatever is left over and create something out of that. And that is the magic of womanhood, of motherhood. It's the magic of humanity. But I feel like what we're saying now is no more crumbs. Mm
0: Mm-hmm
1: we demand abundance, we demand space to live and breathe and feel free and to belong to ourselves, and to do the work that calls to us and to have it valued. And I want that for, for men, I want that for everyone. Like, that's my deepest wish is that whatever work calls to you that there's value found in that work, and that you don't have to do it all that we can live in a society of reciprocity, where we can have those conversations of giving and taking because we all need it. We all need the chance to give to other people, to look at things outside of ourselves, to make meaning and to use creativity and to rest and to recuperate. And we also need to receive and receiving is rest too. Receiving is rest. And it looks like
0: being able to pay your bills. It looks like having help when something breaks down. It looks like so many things that I think we're seeing that lack of masculine help. But receiving looks like, hey, men, it's all the things that make your life great, that a woman is doing
1: for you, that's you receiving. Or can you feel that lack? I feel like a lot of men who I've dated in the last year, they have this hardness to them Mm -hmm. and this jadedness from not being close to women.
0: Like their apartments are really sterile. Like there's the joke of like, if if a dude has a bed frame, then they're like somehow (laughs) elevated.
1: But it's like, it's... But the sex won't be as good. (laughs) (laughs)
0: but there is this thing of like walking into a dude's apartment and having there be no life and no warmth. And suddenly they get a girlfriend or, you know, a partner and suddenly there's life and warmth. That's not by accident. It's because women nurture environments and that's what we do. It just happens to be invisible work. And we're trying to say, yes, and here's what you can do for us. Just, pay us equally. Let's just start there. Yeah, let's just not have to struggle so hard.
1: What would it mean for men to get into relationships with women who are making the same amount of money they are or more? Like if they didn't feel like their worth was tied to how much money they're making or can share with another woman? Yeah, then they could start sharing other things and showing
0: up in different ways if there weren't that obvious power dynamic of finances.
1: Yeah. I just feel like this is something that comes up a lot in like literary theory. It's this idea that men can never trust that women really love them, like deeply know them and love them because there's this fear that they are just using them for their money and for like financial security. Right. And I do think that that's very real. Like, who are you if you're not providing for me? as a woman or for our children and how does the world how do relationships look different when it's like I know you're not after me for my money I can put that fear away where for women it could be like I know you're not after me for sex I know you're not after me for emotional caretaking yeah or housekeeping or you know any of the things. meals yeah yeah that women feel like they have to provide, where it's like, I actually am genuinely in love with who you are, and I want to build a life with you. And those imbalances of power and energy will always, I hope they're not always there, but it's something that we have to navigate. And I love thinking about that as a way of what can I provide to you, that isn't necessarily money or isn't necessarily caretaking or isn't necessarily like make my house beautiful because I can't. And what can you bring to me as a partner? I mean, right now I can't even like, I don't know how to ask men for things. Cause I like, can't even get like text messages back. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's not true across the board, but like... You have an intimate experience
0: with somebody and then they ghost you because they don't know how to show up intimately.
1: And I just think like we're starting in some ways. Like I, I don't know this to be true, but other people have told me that this is true, that there are these men who are looking for women who want these same things, who want to show up, who want to provide. Like in my last therapy session, I told my therapist like... I'm so exhausted right now that the idea of being in a relationship with some dude who just wants me to like deal with his problems is the most unattractive thing. And she just said, Rachel, what are you talking about? When men show up in relationships, you know, in their truest form, they don't want you to deal with their problems. Like they go and deal with their problems and then they come back to you and say like, hey, this is what I figured out. And they like want to share it with you. There's no expectation. There's no burden of responsibility. But that hasn't been my experience. It's been a lot of like, here is everything I'm thinking about. Here's everything I'm struggling with. Here's everything that's bothering me. And then it's suddenly on me. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe in this beautiful exchange. I can see it in my relationships with women. I can see it even in my friendships with some men, with my siblings. I've experienced what it means to be able to feel safe enough to ask. And I'm working on what it feels like to feel safe enough to receive and to trust that it comes from a place of abundance and of Mm -hmm. love and care. Remember
0: in 2020 when I was really learning about receiving and I just reached out and I said to people like, hey, I'm really struggling because I had to be shut down with the pandemic, you know. And I had a few clients that were very generous to me, and I was like worried that I was gonna have to start a prostitution exchange <laughs> because i I literally didn't know like are they are they giving me this money, like, and expecting a sexual exchange? or like expecting that I'll like count this toward services, but they were just being generous. And I went through that whole thing for like, at least a month, probably more like six months of like, okay, what should I do? And it may have been pennies to them is the thing. But for me, it was the security of my office building, it was security of my rent, it was buying food, paying my car, I had just bought a car in the winter of 2019, because I was my most abundant. And then like going into 2020 and having a car payment that I hadn't had in like 10 years, because my it just like all these extra things were just adding up. And I asked it was the hardest thing people came through and I still had to go through the mind fuck of no people just can give and you can receive and you don't have to keep doing this exchange of like, you can just take up space and receive. People can just give, like you give all the time, but other people can also just give and you can
1: just receive. I also think when we come from a place of where financial gifts feel so foreign to us, I come from that too. Like I didn't come from a family with a lot of money and money is something that I've worried about for most of my adult life. Like it wasn't until Both my former husband and I had good solid double incomes when I was like, okay, so (laughs) this is what this means. But I think like, that feels like such a big deal to you, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, you agonized over it endlessly. You cried over it endlessly. Like, what does this mean? And we don't realize that it's so easy to send someone a Venmo for some people, right? Like Mm -hmm. money is the easiest thing to give away when you have it. Mm Mm-hmm where if we were to ask those same people, like, could you sit with me? Could you provide, you know, like, I need meals? Or can you really, like, witness me in what I'm going through in this moment? Or would you even notice a change in me if I was going through something really difficult? Or can you show up for me repeatedly every day for a certain amount of time? No. I mean, that's real work and community building, right? Like, sending a Venmo that ain't no thing like I could I can't do that now (laughs) but I'm just saying like for how easy that is for so many people Mm -hmm. and how we we put these values right like this goes back to the other conversation of what means more and for us like whatever it is that we lack or we perceive that we lack where it's like oh but money means that then I have to be reciprocal in some way, where if it was like just someone who came and sat with you or like did your dishes or, you know, something small bought you a coffee, like you would immediately think like, oh, my gosh, how can I make this up to them? Does this mean I have to like sell them feet pics for the future? Like, <laughs> No, you would just like you would take that. Mm-hmm. But those same people aren't showing up to do your dishes
0: yeah, and I think with this emotional, invisible caretaking piece, it's also tricky because the world also doesn't value it Yeah, in a capitalistic way.
1: You can't pay your rent with being a good listener.
0: Yeah, you can't.
1: Well, I feel like in this
0: conversation of receptivity and us both sharing like how we've learned to receive or open up those floodgates – I feel like that gives small examples that hopefully help listeners find their own voice in how they are on the scale with their relationships and, and their work balance life and religion, spiritual practices. Like we all have these opposing energies. One is giving, one is receiving. And hopefully they're not at war with each other. Hopefully there's like a symphony and a synergy. And everybody has to come to their own balance. I just feel like predominantly women have to learn how to receive. But it's dependent on those that can give. And that's the conundrum.
1: Well, and also I think, I mean, I do have a hard time with – the gendered language still, like, I don't know how it to... It is tricky. It feels really tricky. And I feel like I'm, like, fucking this up this whole time by we, using this We love, terms. yeah,
0: we love non-binary. We love queer presenting. It's yeah. It's just a... Yeah.
1: But I do feel like men or people who identify as men or that they could also learn to be safe receiving. And so we were talking about the wheel of consent before we started this podcast and that one of the questions we can ask ourselves when we are either asking for something or doing something for another person is who is this for? Is this truly for me? Is this truly for this other person who I love and care for? Mm -hmm. And I know that I can definitely do a better job especially like an intimate partnered relationships and understanding like, am I creating a safe enough container for this person to feel like they can receive what I'm offering? Or am I even offering anything of value to them that they truly need? Or am I just doing this to tick the boxes of saying like, no, I'm a good person because I do this and this and I provide this and this for you as kind of, that is something that I've seen women hold over men's, Heads, and mothers hold over their children's heads. Like I sacrificed my life for you to have this, and what you see is then these people who constantly feel indebted to this person who isn't mm-hmm. living the resentment the life that they should. The be mother living. wound, yeah, yeah like the they're mother not- wound. And I think that that's where we can see those gender binaries break down because we see. I know so many men who also don't feel safe receiving. They just. Want to give and give and give, but they're maybe not giving in the way that the people in their lives need, or they're giving things that really aren't appreciated or needed. And so I think this question of asking, who is this for? And it's fine if you're saying like, I really want to make this meal for you because I love you and I care about you. And that that can be a way that it looks like giving, but in a way it's receiving. Because you're saying, this is what matters to me. Feeding the people I love is something that feeds me. Mm-hmm. Can you receive this? Or can you give me this opportunity to give you this? And I feel like, I mean, we could go down this whole rabbit hole of sexuality too, like where women are always receiving, but they feel like they're giving in the, like the emotional realm, in the romantic realm, in the opening their bodies, like that feels like they're giving, right? But to be penetrated is to receive. And I think, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing to think about, because I do think that that is where this gendered language has a chance to break down, and we can see each other as human beings with the need to give and the need to receive, and that we need to create safe containers where trust can flourish, where it feels safe just to be human and to express those things that we need
0: hmm That's a really beautiful place to wrap up. And also, yeah, we all have these opposing energies in us. It's a human thing. And we've, we've gendered it, we've labeled it. And it does show up in the world how we labeled it. And we're trying to break that down. And how we break that down is by tapping deep into our own self and, and asking that question, who is this for? Who is this for? Rachel, thank you for joining us today. This has been a beautiful, yet again, another beautiful conversation. Thank cool. you, Stacey. Thanks for being here, everyone. And we'll see you next week on Tent Talks.